What's going on, grappling fans? Who's the first one that was used to fail mentally in the game? We're going to be fighting all our matches up and pretty close. going on grappling fans welcome back to another episode of who's number one coming off a great weekend there at the event who's number one we saw gordon ryan take out kyle bame in the main event some great matches from the rural tolos and so on but before we jump into the full recap i want to preview this upcoming weekend we have another stacked card fight twin 143 goes down in dallas again that's going to feature victor hugo versus felipe andrew in the main event we'll also see Natchelli de jesus versus uh, anna carolina that's baby Vieira rodolfo's sister and world champion. We also have Jits King this weekend, a really, really exciting 16-man no-gi bracket. Five grands on the line. We have Jason Rao, William Tackett, a bunch, a bunch of guys in that car. We'll roll out the full preview later this week. But with no further ado, let's bring in the main event winner here. We've got Gordon Ryan on the line from Who's Number One, joining us there from New Jersey. Gordon, what's going on, man? How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. And you guys are mentioning that Jits King, that uh, Jits King tournament. That is like one of the most stacked tournaments I've ever seen for that amount of money. Like, there's that's going to be insane. I was Craig was showing me the bracket the other day, and like that's an insanely stacked tournament. Who, who's in in there? Uh, is, is the bracket out yet? We got the bracket, but we haven't released it. They just sent it over today. But uh, if I'm not the bracket. Out, the competitors they showed me. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but we do have that bracket. One second here. Um, Rao's in there, Tackett's in there, I think Taz is in there. Taz is in there, yeah, but there's, I think maybe Cody Steele might be in there, I'm not positive, but... Cody Steele's got um, a super fight, I believe. Um, So we have a full card here, we got Pedro Mourinho's in there, your good friend, John Combs, Jake Watson, uh, like we said, Rao and Taza, a guy named Yuri Villafort and Gabriel Castro, who I don't know, Baby Monster's in there, Roberto's in, Johnny Tama... J.J. Wilson, super tough MMA fighter, also fights in the Gi quite a bit. Alan Chan- Sanchez, Benji Silva from Kyle Terra, and then David Garma, who's pretty exciting. Maybe not that well-known, but I really like David's style, actually. David's got a good guillotine. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that division, Gordon? Uh, first of all, do you guys know what the rule set is? Good question. Actually, I do not know what the rule set <laughs> yeah, is. No, good... I have to, well, to double-check it, it would depend a lot on that. It would depend yeah. a lot on the rule set, but... Um, you know, at, yeah, at that point, it's pretty much it's up for grabs. Um, there's there's a lot of tough guys in there. Um, I think obviously, if there's EBI overtime rules, it favors our guys a lot more. Um, whereas if it's more like a points rule set or uh, uh, yeah, pretty much just a points rule set, then um, you know, the, any, anyone can can uh, grab it. But I think if it's a uh, if it's like a sub only any kind of sub only rule set, I think our guys are pretty heavy heavily favored. I'm pretty sure it's not any EBI scenario. There's no overtime from what I'm aware of. But um, in any case, yeah, it's pretty stacked. But we don't quite have the, the finalized bracket yet. I've been told it's preliminary. But we'll be sure to roll it out once it comes through. It's exciting. I mean, Tackett's on a roll. Rao's dangerous. It's, it's a hell of a bracket. I've been told that there may be a Tackett Roberto Jimenez uh, semifinal lined up. So that would be pretty sick. All right. Uh, so yeah, that would be. Or and obviously the big news yes. is you uh, won the main event over at uh, who's number one over the weekend. What, what did you think about the event first off? What was your experience like? I know it was definitely uh, different um, to go into an event, at least now for me, not having any spectators. 
Um, you know, the the BJ Fanatics tournament that we did actually was kind of similar, um, where I fought uh, I fought Pat Downey. Yeah. Um, because there was no, there wasn't a huge crowd there, but you know, I'm used to competing in front of crowds, um, so it was, it's definitely different. Uh, reminds me kind of like when I'm doing like local shows, uh, you know, when I was a blue belt, where you don't really have that many eyes on you. There's just a bunch of people competing and no one really cares about you. Uh, that's kind of how it felt. Um, but, uh, you know, the show itself was really well ran as always fight to wins are always, uh, are always great shows. They always have, you know, amazing production and they're on time. And, you know, for me, that's a big thing, just being organized. Like as long as you're organized, I can't really complain. Yeah. So, so Seth and, uh, and flood did a great job. Let's let's talk about the the different matches in there. I'll get I'll get to your uh, match last, and then after that we'll talk about uh, what's next for you. What what did you think about the Ethan versus? Obviously very controversial. Uh, I thought Ethan won the decision. What did you think about the Ethan versus Cade match? Uh, I definitely thought, and I've posted about this. I definitely thought that Ethan did win. Um, you know, I thought that he both dominated the positional aspect of the match, uh, as well as the submission entries and attempts. Um, you know, Kate had a few pretty much ineffective, uh, arm locks and the steam locks here and there. Um, but nothing really crazy. I mean, Ethan was constantly entering into his legs, forcing him to roll out of, he didn't have any actual heel hook grips, but he was forcing him to roll to defend. I uh, swept him multiple times, almost took his back, mounted him, maybe positionally dominated him. And, um, you know, I think, pretty sure he also dominated the sub attempts, at least the entries. Uh, and you know, if, if anyone watched that, they would be almost like feel sorry, uh, for Cade, I feel. Um, so I think it's just insane how, how, uh, anyone could give, uh, couldn't give the match to Ethan. Yeah. Um, mounted him twice. You know, nothing taking. Yeah. Mounted him twice. Taking nothing that... away from Cade. Sorry. <laughs> taking nothing away from Cade. It's extremely dominant to mount another high-level competitor. Like, that does not happen very often. And to do it twice in a match and then still lose a decision seems pretty absurd. Yeah, but under those rules, man, I mean, it's all about the sub-attacks. But I was on the call with Hal, and we were both surprised. You know, like Gordon mentioned, uh, it seemed like the volume of submission attacks was in Ethan's favor. I have to rewatch the match, actually. It's much different when you're commentating. But, um, you know, Seth has laid out, actually, now uh, somewhat of a a scoring system, if you want to call it that. It's still sub only and there are no points. But he says uh, that the refs keep it in their head where there's five points for a strong submission attempt, uh, one point for a weak submission attempt, and then slams get one point. I feel like there was no strong submission attempts in the whole match. Well, I mean, it's very subjective, right? Like, yeah. So that's where you really have to watch it again. I didn't see any points yeah. where I thought any, someone – to me, a strong submission attempt would mean like – you think they're going to get tapped, right? Well, you see a strong reaction, right? They really have to spin out of a like a heel hook or you know a fight off a choke or something. But yeah, it's a close match. I had a great time yeah. watching it. And like you said, nothing taking away nothing from Cade there. Both those guys are exciting. Ethan's always exciting. Ethan's lost two refs decisions. I thought he should have won. I thought he should have won the Johnny Tama one too. But guy always brings it. His matches are exciting. Yeah, I actually felt like both. I felt like both Cade and Nikki underperformed. I feel like Cade is much better than that. Um, because when you look at most of Cade's matches, uh, you see like pretty much him going balls to the wall, like a hundred percent pace for the entire match. Whereas I feel like he kind of got tired in that match. And Ethan does a really good job of, of, uh, of making guys tired. And, you know, you see in his matches, like guys start to fade really quickly. Um, but I still feel like, uh, like Cade got, got tired a little too fast. Maybe it was the adrenaline. Maybe it was, you know, lack of training. I'm not really sure. Um, but I feel like Cade definitely is better than what he showed on that stage, and I wouldn't be surprised if he felt that um, 
if you felt the same way about that as well. All right, so let's move on to the other match, the the co-main event. Your brother versus Ty. This is obviously a match everybody was looking forward to. What did you uh, think about what ended up happening there? Uh, so, you know, Ty came out and uh, was pressuring Nikki. And, um, you know, like f- between four and five minutes in the match, it looked like Nikki started to slow. And, uh, you know, I train with Nikki every day. Nikki's guard is insanely hard to pass, and he doesn't accept guard passes. So once I saw Nikki got his guard passed the first time, and I was like, oh, man, like he's he's really – he's dying. He's tired. Um, you know, Kate did a really good job of using both V-grips on the ankles and – pinning methods where he would step on Nikki's ankles to negate Nikki's legs from moving and entering into his legs and keeping his legs back at the same time. Um, so the combination of Cade's grips and just side to side pressure, uh, you know, kind of wore Nikki out and Cade, or sorry, Ty. Um, and, uh, he did a really good job of, uh, keeping constant pressure while also avoiding danger. And I think he ended up with like two or three guard passes. So he definitely, definitely earned a, earned a decision on that one. What do you think your brother could have done differently? Uh, I think it was just more him being very tired than anything. Uh, you know, it was clear that he wasn't going for moves that he knew that he should have been. Um, and, you know, as the match went on, he should have been picking up the pace when he was starting to fall behind, but he just started to fall further and further behind. Um, you know, the whole thing is is to – and with anyone who's movement-based, you have to tie them up and, and stop their movement. So, you know, it should have been for him to enter into, you know, either his legs or get on top and, and – hold him down for an amount of time where he couldn't just jump side to side and put that much pressure on him. Uh, more wrist grips, more ankle grips uh, would have been would have been a good start. I wanted to ask you, Gordon, uh, you mentioned that they are movement-based. We're talking about the rule tolls here. Um, they're very, very dynamic, of course. Do you think um, maybe engaging them on the feet would have been an option for Nikki? Obviously, you have to take cardio into uh, consideration there, but it, it seemed like he couldn't close the distance, as you mentioned, and really get into a guard that he liked. Um what would have been another way to sort of get somewhere where he felt more comfortable and more control? Yeah. You know, uh, wrestling on the feet could have been an option. Uh, you know, he was going into the match and we knew that he was going to get tired. Um, Nikki has really bad seasonal, he's never going to say this, but you know, Nikki has really bad seasonal asthma. Um, so he was, me and him both were having breathing issues leading up to it. Um, and thankfully mine got better, uh, like two or three days, they started to subside a little bit. So my, my breathing was decent for the Kyle match, um, but Nikki was still really struggling with some issues there. Uh, so he he didn't want go out want to, he uh, didn't want to go out and didn't want to go out and wrestle him because he felt like that kind of played into his game. And uh, you know, there's nothing more tiring than getting up and getting up and going down, getting up and going down. Um, so he didn't want to go out and get exhausted in the first couple minutes trying to put him down, and then realizing maybe that he couldn't. Um, so the whole plan was to go out and to sit guard and to try to work from the bottom. But maybe wrestling would have been a better better idea. Maybe he could have just taken him down right away and uh, and pinned him in half guard or passed him, whatever the case was. So there's definitely a, a bunch of different ways that he could have went about the, uh, about the match. Maybe some better, maybe some worse. Uh, but you know what he did definitely definitely uh, led to uh, to tie having the advantage. Your brother doesn't compete too often. Are we, are we going to be seeing more of him? Is he going to start competing more regularly? It seemed, seemed like that was what he was saying at the event. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, man. Um, I've been trying. I've been telling this kid to compete for, you know, to compete as much as he can since he started competing. And you know, this whole time he's always been very particular about you know when he competes, who he competes against. Uh, whereas I just want to, I just want to obliterate everybody. 
Like there's nothing better for your brand than just being, you know, in everybody's face, beating everyone all the time, getting paid to, to, to fight all the time. Um, and you know, just competing against everybody. And I think that there's nothing, there's no replacement for, um, for that amount of exposure every single month. I'm in, I'm in the people's face. There's always a big match with me coming up. And I think that's, there's definitely something to be said for that. Um, especially since in my case, I'm like in, you know, the reigning ADCC champion where, most guys like win a big tournament and then they're afraid to go out and compete against lesser guys uh, than them. Whereas I just, I want to beat everybody. For sure. I mean, it makes and sense. I think, that, I think that Nikki should definitely have that same mindset. What do you think about Ty saying he wants a match with, with Gary after, after the match? What do you think? About I that think match? that's really exciting. Um, you know, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, Gary doesn't have to take that match. He's, you know, focused on MMA and, you know, he can, he can fight the world's best. Um, and Ty is like more of an up and coming, uh, kid. But with that being said, I think it would make a really good story. And I think the match would be insane. I, uh, Absolutely. You know, I so think fun. that, uh, yeah. you know, two, two guys who are really movement based, uh, really exciting and, and never stop. I think it would be a really exciting match. Um, you know, for, for everybody, I think, uh, I think Gary's a pretty heavy favorite, um, safe to say, but Absolutely. I think that, uh, I think that it would definitely be an exciting match. There's definitely a little more man strength there behind Gary. I yeah. feel like that might be a I'd, big factor I'd, there. I'd, yeah. I'd like to see that one no time limit and just see if, if it's possible for either of those guys to gas out because it doesn't really seem like it. Man, maybe we could add a no time no, limit match I'm, to every I'm, who's number one from now on. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure Gary would be would be pumped about a no time limit match with him. Yeah. That, well, Ty told us as well that Ty, uh, his, he says, I mean, this is something you don't hear from people outside of your camp too often he said no time limit no time limit is his preferred uh style of match that he would want so yeah that that'd be that'd be, that'd be pretty exciting because i've never seen either of those guys really get tired in a match so it'd be like the, the a, movement might change <laughs> by minute 25 you know yeah. it'd be interesting to watch so let's get on to uh discussing your match a little bit uh if we, we can just we're just gonna play the match while we uh so just go ahead and start it up and we'll watch the the walkouts and everything uh so first off, what did you think going into the match? Bame was pretty big. He was about the same size as you, huh? Yeah, I think I weighed in at two nineteen with my clothes on, and he was two seventeen. So we were about the same size. Did, did that surprise you at um, all? Um, I mean, when you got face to face with him? Yeah, I thought that he was. At, he actually, uh, I'm pretty sure he was like way bigger in the past. I'm pretty sure he's up uh, well over two thirty. Um, so when he, he showed up and we were almost the same size, I was like, Oh, you know, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, you know, he's, he's gotten very tired in the past. So I expected his cardio to be a little bit better at the lighter weight, but I also expected my, uh, myself to be a lot stronger than he was. Um, there's not many people at my weight that are isometrically stronger than me. There's plenty of people who move better and can do more athletic things, but as far as just isometric strength, I expected to be a lot stronger than he was. Were you surprised he, re- he was going to wrestle with you in the beginning? Oh, dude, I was so angry. I was, I just game plan. I was like kind of 50-50. I was like, is he going to just try to stall on the feet or is he going to sit guard? Because he's a guard player. He doesn't yeah. really wrestle. I'm like, is he going to stall on the feet or is he going to sit guard and try to actually submit me? And then I realized, I'm like, oh, he just wants to accept top position and not do anything. So I kind of tested him on the feet for a little while. Like if you see some of his matches, um, he'll like play a little bit on the feet and then just test the waters and then sit to guard. But he was just adamant about not being on bottom. So I was like, oh, fine, I'll sit the guard. And then I tried to, like, get a grip or, like, block half guard. Everything I tried to do, he just tried to move away from me. 
And I was like, oh, this is really what we're going to do right now. I was just like, you can see it on my face in the match. I'm just like so furious about like what is happening in front of me. Um, and, uh, and then finally, you know, I got on top of him and, uh, his whole thing was just to try to kick off and stand up. And I was like, yeah, absolutely not. You're not getting up. So, and once I got on top, I kind of forced him to engage. Yeah. Okay. So here, yeah, you've been wrestling for about a minute. So you you just eventually were like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to sit down and bring it to the ground. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, you know, once, you know, one to two minutes passes, he didn't pull guard. I was like, you know, let me just sit down. And I would try to make a grip. I would try to engage into half guard, and that was kind of difficult. And then eventually I managed to get that scoop grip and come up on top. I feel like um, the no time limit thing was interesting because both competitors were very much on the fence of what the other guy was planning to do. Like Kyle told me before the match, I don't know if he's going to try and run at me and like run me over in the first minute or if he's going to be very slow. And I feel like you just said you had the similar thought. So it was interesting to watch you react to each other and try and figure out the pacing that you wanted to agree to almost. Yeah, it's also interesting the interface between doing a no time limit match and being a professional. Um, because when you're professional, when you're an amateur athlete, all you have to wor- worry about is winning a match. And when you're a professional athlete, you have to worry about winning a match and making it entertaining. In a no time limit match, the best way to compete is to start out very slow and then build to a peak over time so that you don't really hit your peak. You're not going hard until 30 minutes, 45 minutes into a match. But a lot of people don't want to watch an hour-long jiu-jitsu match. So you have to kind of adjust that pace, adjust your pace so that you can be exciting, uh, you know, for people. The match can be exciting for people to watch while not tiring yourself out too early in the match and then just being exhausted 10 minutes in. So it's kind of an interesting game that you have to play there. So here you go. You sat down here. So uh, you had told me the day before that you had you were planning to go out there and prove a point that you were different than everyone he'd gone against. Can you explain that a little bit? Uh, yeah, you know, most people that he go that Kyle competes with, um, they're very hesitant to engage. Uh, they they kind of play a, a pitter patter game, um, and uh, you know, he's, he's a submission guy. He, he submits people, um, and he's you know a leg lock guy. So that 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 puts fear in a lot of people when they go out to compete against him. And uh, you know, I wanted to be a guy that went out there and was chasing him down the entire match. Um, and that, that's exactly what I did. You know, from bottom, I'm trying to get him to engage here. When I'm on top of him, I'm constantly in his face, constantly putting pressure on uh, putting pressure on him. And uh, in most of the other matches you see, it's people, even when they beat him, they're kind of timid and they explode to a good position and they, they get their advantage. Um, whereas I was just in his face the entire time trying to win the match. Um, and, uh, you know, he's beat, he's beaten a lot of good guys now. He's beaten Lucas Barbosa, he's beaten Joao Rocha. Um, you know, so he has, he has wins over, over some good guys. Uh, and I just wanted to, to show that, you know, there's nobody in the world on my level. And I think that I did a pretty good job of that. You've, I mean, titles don't really mean that much to you anymore because you've won them all. Is that what you're, you're planning now at this point is just to go out there and just destroy everybody and, and leave no doubt that you're the greatest out there? Yeah, I just want to compete, you know. Um, I, I, I believe that I've won everything, every Nogi title and every rule set that anyone could ever talk about. Um, and, you know, now it's time to compete in my rule set. I want to compete in no time limit rule sets against the best guys in the world. And I've already, you know, I always used to push for no time limit. I wanted to say, 
you know, I wanted to compete no time limit. And people are like, oh, well, you know, he hasn't won this or he hasn't won that. You know, go win a tournament. You know, he always does super fights. And let's see him get through a hard bracket. Um, and I've literally done everything that you can ask. Um, so now I want to do no time limit matches with people. Um, and I want people to come out and try to submit me. There's, there's nothing like knowing that a guy has to come out and eventually he has to do jiu-jitsu with you. He has to yeah. grapple with you. No matter what con time constraint you have, if it's five minutes, if it's 10 minutes, if it's a half hour, if it's an hour, if there's a time constraint, people are always going to stall against me until that time runs out and just not get submitted. But if they know that the only way that someone can win is by submission, at some point during the match, they're going to actually have to do jiu-jitsu. And that just so makes me so happy inside because I know that there's no one even close to my level of jiu-jitsu in the world. It's gotta uh, really Ralph, change Ralph your. Uh, it's gotta really change your strategy too, right? Because like you know, if you're gonna be fighting somebody in a 15 minute match, I mean, we know what a lot of guys are gonna try and do. They're gonna try and do one or two things, but not really do anything, and hopefully win a ref's decision on you, right? Or maybe get an advantage. That 14 point. minutes push. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah. it's like uh, here, you, it has to really change your strategy, knowing that yeah, eventually they're they're gonna have to come to you. They're not gonna be able to, to try and just win a ref's decision. Yeah. They have to. They have to engage at some point. They have to actually do jujitsu. They can't just actively stall and make it appear like they're doing something, but not really doing anything. And they actually have to know how to do submissions because if you can't submit someone, then you can't win the match. And that's the whole point of jujitsu is to be good at submissions so you can finish people. How? How? Because myself, just from the outside, it's sort of maddening to like how you described. Everybody would have excuses. Oh, I'm not going to fight you for this, for that. And it's like the goalposts keep moving, right? Like the requirements uh, keep changing. It's like now yeah. you've and won everything. And then you see it because you're doing the negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, how, how, how much does that drive you crazy that it's like no matter what you do, people are going to have excuses not to fight you or, or this or that? You know, it's fine, man. Um, you know, no matter what I do, people are never going to be happy. Uh, as long as I keep making – the money that I'm making right now, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. Uh, you know, people can say whatever they want. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm beating everybody in the sport and I'm making far more money than anybody in the sport. Uh, so, you know, that's what, what more can you really ask for? Um, you know, and, uh, you know, on top of that, I'm helping people, uh, you know, making tons of instructionals to, to help people get better and, you know, answering questions and, you know, I'm doing everything I can for, for myself and for the community. So, um, as much people want, as much as people want to talk shit um, about me talking shit, if you actually look at what I do, um, it's, it's pretty easy to see what's going on here. The match uh, just took kind of a pivotal turn as you swept Kyle and managed to keep him on the mat. Are you feeling like you're in the driver's seat at this point? You know, you have him right where you want him. Oh yeah. Once I got on top, like you hear his corner saying like, "Get up, get up," and he's like trying to kick off, and I'm like, "Yeah, there's no way you're ever getting top position again." Like after that after like what you just did you just tried to stall against me like for the first five minutes like there's no way you're ever there's no way you're ever hitting one move on me again after this so i was just like kind of annoyed you see her try to push off there and stand up i was like kind of just annoyed and i was like there's no way like now the pressure is like really starting to come on what do you think kyle's strategy was going to be then if you think he was uh running away from you what do you think he was trying to make it later on and hopefully you get tired or something or what do you what do you think his his plan was I don't, to be honest, I don't really think he had a plan. I think he was just, I mean, his whole thing before the match, he said he was, he had to be heavy on me and to wear me out. But if you look at him on top, he's not heavy at all. He's just moving away from me. I think he just wanted to make the match last as long as he could and, you know, see what happened. Um, 
it wasn't really trying to do anything from top. There's no reason why I would have got tired. Um, and now I'm on top of him and now I'm putting real pressure on him and he's the one getting tired. And I'm not even, I'm not even warmed up yet. You know, he started off, you know, very fast paced, uh, you know, every movement that not fast paced, but every movement that he did was like a hundred percent of his strength. Whereas I'm kind of just, you know, moving around pretty slow and not really putting too much energy into things. Somebody said this to me the night of, I can't remember who, but, uh, uh, an interesting observation, which is true, when you when you look at the guard play of you two guys, it's like when you're on bottom, you're trying to bring him to you. When he was on bottom, he was trying to push you away, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's clear. You can you can see it right right in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Did he feel strong? I mean, Kyle looks super jacked. I know he might have lost some weight from what you were expecting, but uh, what, what did that full strength feel like to you? Uh yeah, he was strong. You know, he's definitely one of the stronger guys I competed against. Um. You know, just there's not many people that I train with or compete against that are isometrically stronger than me. More explosive, sure. More athletic, sure. Um, but just isometric strength for isometric strength, there's not many people stronger than me. So I definitely felt like I had an advantage, um, at least on the mat. And that's partly because of my mechanics, too. All the placement of my hands and my knees and my elbows is very precise. So I feel a lot stronger than I actually am. Yeah, I remember this part of the match where – Felt very bad for Kyle. It looks very uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, we we just passed the ten minute mark. You had said you wanted to finish him in under ten minutes. Is that something that bothered you that he made it a couple minutes longer? Uh no. You know, once once he's once he made it adamant that he was just trying to stall from the feet and from top position, I knew it was going to go longer than ten minutes. So I'm like, okay, like if he if he came out and he was like trying to go at me and trying to actually finish me, then I was like, all right. Then if I couldn't finish him under ten minutes, then I was like. You know, spamming submissions on him and, and he was defending them, then I would have been upset. But uh, because he just played such a negative game, um, both from top and really from bottom, uh, you know, the first couple of minutes that I was on top, he wasn't really attacking me. He was just trying to not get past. Um, so, you know, once I once I saw that he was, he was negative, it didn't really make a difference to me how long it went. It, 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 when you said that you didn't want people to be able to say that he could have beat EBI over. Are you thinking like the Tenth Planet fans at that point? Like they're gonna say like, "Oh, our guy could have beat him if this was EBI or something." Yeah, that's what I was talking about. But I mean, number yeah. one, if you look at this match, you you see clearly he didn't really do anything. And number two, I'm a four time EBI champion. Like, yeah, I've won all the EBIs that I've entered. You, know, you can't really make a. Uh, an argument that because he won like one brown belt BJ Fanatics tournament and one open BJ Fanatics tournament where he only really fought Lucas Barboza, I think was like the only like top five or top three guy that he fought. You can't really make an argument that he would beat me under that rule set either. So, sure. I mean, he almost got armbarred by Nicky Rod and Nicky Rod like doesn't really know EBI overtime too well at all. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so I think I mean, we're getting you can't pretty really close. make that argument. Yeah, this is pre- this is pretty slick here. That fi- man, a lot happened there. Can we, hey, yeah. So if you guys go, if you guys go back, I can explain it if you want. Yeah, let's go back like a little bit more. A little, little bit more. Yeah, right before a little, that. little bit more. Yeah, right, here's right, good. Right here. Okay, so just uh, pause real quick. Yeah. We pause it. There we go. Yep. Okay. So you're gonna notice. Uh, Kyle enters into my legs, and before we watch it, what you're going to notice is that I attempt to take his back off of the failed Ashigarami attempt. Now, Kyle does a really good job of getting his left elbow as a wedge between myself and him. So this makes the back 
this makes an attempt at his back impossible because he has that elbow down on the ground. So then I went to go mount him. Now, Kyle has a choice. He can either, one, choose to try to come on top of me by posting an elbow on the floor and trying to get his head higher than mine, which would mean that he wins the scramble for top position, but gives up a triangle, or he can keep his head lower than mine and then accept bottom mount. Uh, so you play your choices. Do you come on top and end up in a triangle, potentially, or do you accept bottom mount with me on top of you? Um, and you'll see that he obviously chose to come on top and try to get up. So let's let's play it now. So he enters into my legs. I post on the knee and free the knee within uh, from within his knee line. And now pause again. Go back. Just a second. Good. Good. Now play it. Now as you see me go to take his back, his left elbow comes to the ground, yeah. and now I can't take his back. So I go to mount him. He posts on that elbow. If you go back a second again, he posts on that right elbow or that, uh, yeah, that left elbow and attempts to come up. And as he goes to come up, now his elbow's on the floor and one of his arms and his uh, head is exposed. Now from here, if you go back one second, I made a conscious decision to switch from a three-quarter jujigatame into a triangle. And the reason for this is because my right knee is lower than his ear. If your knee's lower than the ear and your partner stands up and postures up, they can easily move away from you. So because the knee's lower than the ear and the juji's not really that tight, it always makes sense to switch to a triangle instead. And now from here, it's just a matter of going elbow deep at the long end of the lever down by his wrist, and then the hands separate, and that's pretty much all she wrote from there. Is Americana in the end? It reminds uh, me of a yeah, mirror lock a little bit, actually. That's yeah. what I was calling it on the, on the broadcast. Very, very, same, same, same kind of pressure, yeah. Very rare uh, Americana finish at a, at high-level black belt match. You don't see that too often, I guess, in the – Yeah, uh, you actually saw – you see John talk about it. He said, like, the mechanics of an Americana are very, are, uh, are very strong, but the setups are very poor. So if you have a setup like this where you have a triangle, where you have a closed wedge around the head and the arm – and you apply the Americana finish, the mechanics are very strong, and you can easily get breaks, as we saw here. You mentioned after the show that you felt like uh, you might have broken his arm or felt some serious popping. Is that is that correct? Uh, yeah, I definitely broke his arm. Um, it wasn't a full break, but it was what it felt to be about 85 to 90% of the way. Um, it popped the first time when I was just pulling it, and it had a few, two or three small pops. And then I was like, okay, he's willing to take a break, so let me change up the grip. So then I switched the mechanics from a pull to a push over the hip, mm. and then it went one loud pop, and then drrr, like a tearing, like a denim jacket. Like pop, drrr, and then he tapped. Jeez. Ouch. All right, so what's next for you? What, do you, what, are, you, what are you looking at uh, next? You, you had mentioned uh, Ronaldo Jr. Ronaldo Jr. What's going on with you and Ronaldo Jr.? That, let's talk about that one first. You mentioned him at – in your post-fight interview with me. Yeah, so Ronaldo, you know, I don't, I never call out guys small to me. Ronaldo's a middleweight. Um, but that being said, someone asked, like, uh, he's like, oh, I fight Gi, no Gi, absolute, you know, sub only, whatever. So someone's like, will you fight Gordon? And he goes, yeah. And then he said, and by the way, uh, I was like, oh, like, you know, it would be an honor. It would be an honor for me to fight you, I responded. And then he said, oh, and by the way, if you're out of shape, feel free to send one of your boys first, I'm ready. And I was like, if I'm out of shape, like, I'm like better than ever right now. 
Uh, so Ronaldo uh, is, has agreed to compete against me, um, allegedly. Uh, I told him – uh, this is actually we, true. We've heard that before, that people agree to compete against you. So, Yeah. Um, this is actually true. I – I'm publicly stating that I will put in his contract if he beats me in a no-gi, no-time limit, submission-only match, I will give him $10,000 for free. So whatever he gets paid, I will give him an, a, an additional $10,000. Uh, so, Fernando, if you want to do that, that would be great. There we um, go. If not, I don't really know what to tell you. Um, what, what percentage also, chance do you think Ronaldo has against you? Slightly lower than zero. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I'd love to see it because, you know, um, he would come after you, and he's much, of course, much lighter weight, extremely dynamic. It'd be fun, fun challenge to watch that kind of a match. Yeah, he's an exciting guy. Uh, what do you say? You're, you're 5-0 against Atos, 6-0 against Atos? What's your record against Atos right now? Uh, since Black Belt, I'm 5-0. and uh, Mike Perez beat me in the trials when I was a purple belt. Um, and since Black Belt, I have two submission wins over Keenan, a submission win over Kynan, and a... Uh, two uh, wins by one, one by decision and one by points over uh, Lucas Barbosa. Oh, that's right. That's old. So, oh. all right. So, Arnaldo Jr. Is there anybody else? Any other matches out there that you're looking at? Any anybody that you would make sense for you? Yeah. Um. You know, we were. I was actually. Everyone forgot about this. I was supposed to have a. Uh, I was supposed to have a no time limit match with Patrick Gaudio he before the lockdown. Um, so I know Brazil's closed down right now, but I know, I do know of some Brazilians that came from Brazil to America recently. Uh, so maybe he can get in, but I know Patrick Gaudio is definitely a gamer. He wants to compete against me. Um, and that was scheduled to happen. Uh, so, you know, um, I think that, uh, I think that me and Gaudio should do a no time limit match. And I think that should, that should definitely happen. It was a close match at worlds. Um, I think it was like four, four and I won like three advantages to two. So I won by like an advantage. Um, I would definitely like to go back. I said this previously that I'm just trying to submit all the guys that I haven't submitted. So I don't want to go back and submit audio. Um, and then I would definitely be interested in fighting the winner of, uh, of the over 180 um, third coast tournament okay. um, cool. and then yeah, the time match. So whoever, so whoever wins the, uh, whoever wins the tournament in the third coast, the over 180, I would love to do a no time limit match with them as well. So, Oh yeah. Uh, what if I think I those mean, are two good places to start? I, I know, I know you're not, uh, too optimistic that this is going to happen, but what, if, what if we were able to make Felipe Pena happen? Would that be a match that you would want? Uh, yeah, you know, Felipe will never compete against me, especially not no time limit. Um, and everyone's oh two and oh that's in the comments. I know it's gonna be posted up in about a half hour. Uh, <laughs> but people don't know this. Felipe, the first match I was I had with Felipe was supposed to be no time limit. And he agreed to it. We both signed the contracts. And uh, you know, Mo was the one organizing it. We uh, went to the studio five forty. Um, and uh, Mo was the one organizing it. Felipe comes back, like we're like a week out from the fight. I'm preparing for for uh, a no time limit match. We're like a week out from the fight and Felipe goes, Hey, can we change it to an hour long? And I was like, well, you know, an hour long. What if nobody gets submitted? Then we have to do, we should do EBI overtime with an hour long. And he goes, okay, fine. So I wasn't sure. Like when you do an EBI match or, or a tournament, like you have to do like a full camp. Like you have to, 
do like a two to three week camp for that rule set. We're like a week out and he wants to change it to like one hour EBI rules. So I was like, you know, okay, fine. I'll beat him. I'll beat him anyway. So then he agrees to that. We agree. Okay, fine. We both agree. One hour EBI rules. Two days before the match, he goes, hey, can we change it to 30 minutes EBI rules? And I'm like, no, like we've already – we already agreed to no time limit, and then we change it once. I'm not going to change it again. Um, well, if we did, I maybe would have fucking won because I got submitted like 45 minutes in, but that's that's besides the point. Um, but uh, he, he, he always wants to change the rule sets, um, and he, it, it's just like impossible to negotiate with him because he agrees to something, and then he just goes back on his word and tries, tries to change it. And now he's like, oh, you know, the first match – uh, that we had, I always, you know, you picked all the rules, you know, everything was, everything was the way that you wanted. And that, yeah, that, that's a complete lie. Like I just wanted to have a Nogi submission only match with Felipe and he picked the rule sets. Like I tried to do no time limit. He agreed. Then he said, no, then I changed it for him. Like he was way heavier than me. Like I didn't pick everything. He picked most of the stuff. I just picked Nogi and submission only. And then he ended up picking the rule set. Um, so the, when he says that, oh, you know, you picked everything, now you have to do everything the way that I say, um, that's actually not true, number one. Number two, nobody cares about you. And number three, I don't need you – I don't need to fight you ever again. Like, I'm already the best ever, and my career is what it is without you. Um, you know, submitting Felipe is just icing on the cake. Uh, so, yeah, if Felipe wants to fight me, no time limit. I'm not negotiating with him anymore. I've tried – like, I've been trying to fight him forever. Um, and he always agrees publicly and says, I'm ready to fight you, blah, blah, blah. But every time we're supposed to fight, he changes the rules or he changes the date or something has to happen. It's not enough money. The rules have to change. Gordon has to wear a pink dress when he fights me. I, it's always something. Would you uh, fight him so, in a pink dress? You know, I'm, I would. Okay. I mean, it's pretty embarrassing to get that's submitted what by it a guy. Takes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it takes. put um, in the contract. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm done – you know, trying to negotiate or even responding to Felipe at this point, uh, you know, it doesn't really make a difference to me whether or not he fights. Um, no one really even cares about him anymore, to be honest. Uh, so, you know, if he wants to fight, then we can fight, but I'm not doing these crazy negotiations. If he wants to do a no time limit match, then we can do a no time limit match. If he wants to fight me, if he doesn't want to, then we can fight at ADCC next year. If he make it, makes it to the finals and they allow me to do the division, um, then we can fight there again. Um, but, you know, other than that, I really have – no interest in negotiating with him because he's just impossible to deal with. As of right now, how confident are you that Galvao is going to do the super fight in 2021? That's a question that's really interesting. Um, I think it will determine, uh, I think it'll be determined by two things. Number one, how do I do against opponents until then? If I come out and I just completely obliterate everybody and no one's even competitive, like no one can hit a move on me. I don't think I'll show up. Um, but if someone can come out and give me a give me a problem or beat me, and Galval thinks he sees a weakness in my game, then he might show up and, and be confident. Um, I also think it depends depends on how big of an event ADCC is uh, this coming year. Do they raise the prize money? Um, what kind of promotions behind it? Because ADCC, when he was competing, was relatively unknown. It was just like kind of a, an amateur thing. But now that Mo's behind it, and Mo's doing such a great job of building ADCC to what it should be. Um, it may be so big that he can't retire and then have the next year be like the best ADCC ever. 
Um, I think maybe he wants to he wants to come in and be like the face of the new of the the new ADCC, for example. Um, so I, I think it will be contention upon those two things. If he does retire, uh, who do you want as the replacement in the super fight? This is another interesting question um, because if you look at the previous super fights, when someone pulls out, they usually bring in a like an older school legend to fight. Um, you know, I beat Bushesha in the finals of the absolute, so I'm not sure if they would want to do that. Um, you know, me and Bushesha is always a good fight, but um, I'm not sure if ADCC would want to see that because I did beat him in the finals. Uh, I'm also not sure if ADCC would want to see me versus Pena because Pena did lose pretty badly in his super fight. So I don't know if that would kind of feel strange about that, bringing the guy who just got beat by Andre, you know, back to fight in the super fight. Um, but again, that's a good fight. Um, I think Verdum is really a good fight because he's a UFC champion, cool. uh, ADCC champion, black belt world champion. I think, I think for BC over Doom would be a really good candidate for a super fight. You know, we're, we're both heavyweights. He's, or I mean, he's considerably bigger than me, but um, you know, both ADCC champions, both legends. I think that people would really enjoy that. And we were supposed to fight in, uh, to begin with. So I think that could be really fun. If you're going MMA guys who've won ADCC, Jack Ray would be another hell of a one. That would be, that would be crazy. He, he would be, yeah. I think he's kind of focused on what he's doing now. Like yeah. uh, Verdun was opening to grappling matches. I'm not sure if Jacare is yeah, open to point. grappling matches. Um, and uh, me and Jacare are like kind of friends now. Um, but uh, no, if he wanted to compete, I would compete against him too. But I'm not sure if he really wants to. That's right. on his radar right now. I'm going to give you some names. I want to hear how you think a, uh, a no time limit submission only match, just like you did with Kyle, would go down with them. All right, let's go ahead and start with Galvao. If we're doing no time of sub-only rules, how do you think the match plays out with Galvao? Uh, I pull guard. Galvao jumps around, not really trying to do anything or putting any real pressure on me through passing. Uh, and then I eventually either get into get into his legs and probably sweep him. And if I sweep him, I'm going to probably easily pass him and finish him with some kind of top pin, either a Kagatame or he'll expose his back and I'll finish him. Um, if... Uh, if he doesn't allow me to sweep him and comes forward into me, then he's going to get a finish in the legs. So he plays. he's going to play a dilemma between him coming forwards as I enter into his legs, getting heel hooked, or moving away from me and getting swept. Um, and then me eventually you know, getting to a, a, a good top pin and then finishing him or taking his back. All right, next one, uh, Buchecha. Say you and Buchecha run it back, no time limit. Uh, I think I sweep Buchecha. Um, if you see like the first two minutes of the match when he actually engaged me, which you would have to do at some point in a no time limit match, I think I would pretty easily sweep him and, uh, and put a lot of pressure on him from top guard. And I think I could, I think it could wear him out pretty easily from, from a top position. I think that, uh, you know, Boucher's main enemy is his gas tank. We've seen, we've seen him get tired on multiple occasions. And I think that a no time limit match is one of Boucher's worst enemies, especially against me, because I put a lot of pressure on people. And I think that over time he would just, uh, you know, slowly wear down and then eventually get finished. Felipe. Uh, Felipe, I would probably come out. I don't know if I would take him down or sit to guard. Um, but, uh, I actually swept him pretty easily in our first match with a shoulder crunch Sumigeshi. So if I set the guard, I would sweep him pretty easily, and then I'm pretty sure I'd pass his guard pretty easily right now. Um, I put him down as well in our ADCC match, and my wrestling is way better right now. So 
I'm pretty sure I could put him down pretty easily or sweep him pretty easily. And uh, I think it would take me between five and seven minutes to pass his guard, exhaust him, and put pressure on him. You saw Marigali put a lot of pressure on him, and he kind of he does good for a while, and then he kind of just sinks. Um, I don't think that match is competitive in any way, shape, or form now. I think um, – I'm a, I'm a really bad matchup for Felipe now. I think that, uh, you know, he has no ability to keep top position and stall. And I think that he's going, he has no real ability to sweep me and he's, he would get his guard pass pretty easily. So uh, another ADCC champ who is, uh, he told Howell in an interview, he wants a match with you. Uh, well, let's say if you did a no, no time limit with Mateus Denise, how do you think that one goes? Mateus is tough, very physical, uh, hard to sweep. I think, um, I come out sick guard and, uh, you know, a lot of his game is crushing legs together and trying to hold the upper body, which plays right into my game. Uh, so I think I'd be able to take him over pretty easily with some kind of sumigeshi. And once I get on top of these guys, it's pretty much over. Like if I can get on top of a guy, if I can force him into half guard, like he's getting passed, he's getting submitted, he's getting his back taken. Um, you know, Mateus's game is kind of reminiscent of JT's game. Um, where he kind of jumps side to side and tries to crush crush legs together, and that feeds right into my game. So I think that would be a, a pretty good matchup for me. All right, a guy who I guess you could say is sort of a rival of yours. You guys have had plenty of words over over the years. Uh, Cyborg. Cyborg gets very tired. Um, you know, I think he comes out, he tries to put some pressure from top, but, I mean, I think I enter into his legs pretty easily, and he'll look him um, in the first – Couple minutes, whenever he decides to engage. Couple minutes. I think it's a really bad match for him. The last one. I think. Okay, go go on, go on. Then I'll go to one more. Um, and I think that if I get on top of him, I'm going to pass him pretty easily. Uh, saw Nicky Rod pass him, and if Nicky Rod's passing him, I mean, I'm definitely going to pass him. Um, so I think uh, either get into his legs and finish him, or he moves away and I get on top and and pass him and finish him. Yeah, you have no respect for these guys' guards. Sounds like you think you just pass everybody. Uh, but uh, the last one... I mean, if, if you look at them, they refuse to play bottom position on me. And the same guys who refuse to play bottom against me play bottom against Nicky Rod. And Nicky Rod's like knee slice, like hitting like basic knee slices passing their guards. Like they, most of their guards just aren't really that good. Felipe, out of the bunch that you mentioned, Felipe definitely has the best guard. Felipe yeah. does a really good job of keeping his knees in by his chest. And it's, it's very hard to pass his guard uh unless you can force half guard if you saw in 2015 adcc Adolfo forces half guard and easily passes him um so if you're trying to do like loose passing with him he does a very good job of keeping his knees facing knees and feet facing towards you and keeping his knees into his chest uh and he's he's pretty difficult to pass but once you force him into half guard he just has nothing he just has no technology at all from there no technology uh so uh Victor Hugo is a guy. He won the uh, Nogi Worlds Absolute in 2019. You won the ADCC Absolute. Uh, what What do you think a match would go like between you and Victor Hugo? You giving up a lot of size there. Yeah, he's big. Um, Victor Hugo got his guard passed pretty easily by uh, Cyborg and Bushesha, and I've never seen Victor Hugo actually wrestle anybody. So I assume he just comes out and pulls guard, and I just blow through his guard and submit him pretty easily. So you think if you get on top of basically any of the top guys in the world, you're tapping them? Yeah. Um, all the top guys in the world. It's funny with me because they know – everyone knows that I can pass, but no one wants to ever talk about it. 
Um, if you look at when I get on top of these guys, they just try to scramble back up. Usually in jiu-jitsu, the top guy is the top guy, and the bottom guy plays bottom willingly. But that's not the case with me. When I get on top of people, they just want to stand up. Um, so uh, if I can get on top of people and I can keep people down, especially if they if they willingly sit to guard, it's going to be a rough day. If I get on top of any of these people, uh, they're going to get passed. That's just the fact. Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of sounds we like... We saw it in ADCC. Yeah. And it, it sounds like you think all these other matches are going to play out pretty similar to BAME, where once you can force them to engage and sweep them and get on top, that it's game over. Just a matter of time. Yes, yeah. That's that's pretty much my idea of how these matches would go. There you have it. Fair enough. Very confident. I mean, you can't argue with the evidence we've seen so far, so yeah. I'd love to see it all the same. You know, uh, Gordon, how quickly do you want to return back to action? Uh, you know, as soon as, uh, as, soon as I can. Um, you know, my allergies are fucking have still been killing me. So it's kind of hard to, to do like hard sessions still, um, with the, with the breathing issues I've been having, I've been like wheezing and my Instagram stories, I'm like taking a video of something and I'm like, <sighs> sound like Darth Vader in the background. Um, but, uh, you know, as long as, uh, as long as that is decent enough to train, I think, uh, you know, I want to be back as soon as possible. Um, late June, early July. Uh, I want to compete, you know, one to two times a month if I can. So Love to see it, more than better. To see it. Once these allergies get cleared up, you guys are all in trouble. <laughs> Everybody's in big You're all trouble. Fucked. <laughs> You're all fucked. Most dangerous man in the world. Need some Benadryl. <laughs> Gordon, all right, man. Thanks so much for calling in, man. It's always a pleasure, and I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Thank you, guys. See you later, Gordon. Take it easy. All right. Always great to hear from uh, the King Gordon Ryan. Another successful episode of Who's Number One in the Books. Like we were saying earlier, stay tuned for Fight to Win this weekend. Felipe, Andrew, Victor Hugo on the main event there. We also have Jits King on Saturday night. And a ton of jiu-jitsu coming out, uh, yeah. your way in the coming weeks. I think we're going to have two events a weekend for quite some time now, it looks like. So. Love it. Texas oh, yeah. is popping off. Jits King's in Florida. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned. All the info will be on flowgrappling.com as usual. And we'll see you tomorrow on another episode of Who's Number One. Thanks, guys.